Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and the man across the studio for me is Scott Chasen. And Scott, I'm just taking some notes here mm -hmm. about what I'm going to do when I win the lottery. <laughs> so uh, give Scott $1 million. Hey, Scott, how are you doing? I, I'm doing well, Fitz. Now, I'll tell you, I, I didn't have the best Saturday. I would say my Saturday wasn't as fun as Urban Myers, but because of that, I think my Sunday is better than Urban Myers. And Kids, if you don't get that, use Google. Mm, at least he's hanging on to his old Ohio State stuff. That's good. <laughs> you can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show, on Twitter at the drive 13, and of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of the drive, you can listen to an audio only version that will appear each Monday morning. It actually goes up at midnight mm -hmm. in the form of a podcast at gopowercat.com. And we start things off with our two minute drill. I can't stop thinking about Urban Meyer, <laughs> but the two minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. It was a good band. It yeah. was, there was nothing wrong there. Yeah, well, uh, Fitz, as you predicted uh, last Sunday, Skylar Thompson played for K-State against Oklahoma. And, uh, despite the senior quarterback's outstanding performance, the Wildcats lost 37-31. How close were the Wildcats to taking this one? They strangely weren't. You know, the, the final score comes out pretty good, but K-State had a fumble on its first possession. It looked like they were driving for a touchdown. They were clicking along, and a fumble returned 55 yards, flips the field. OU gets a field goal. They stopped them from scoring a touchdown. And really, K-State never quite made up for those points. They were kind of chasing it. Then they had a couple empty possessions at the start of the third quarter, which is symptomatic of the program, unfortunately. Oklahoma opened it up. But K-State kept clawing away. Here's what's amazing. The Spencer Rattler was unbelievable in this game. He had three incompletions, and one of them was an interception that you just saw right there. And that interception represented the only non-scoring possession for Oklahoma in the entire game. So think about that. The quarterback's throwing at will. They're scoring points almost every possession, and K-State's not out of it. And in fact, they were able to get it to a one-score possession a couple times. And a couple strange calls, strange overturns by the uh, officiating crew uh, led to some issues for K-State. Scott, overall, this was a good performance by K-State on the offensive side and special teams as Malik Knowles took back another kickoff for a touchdown, just incredible. Defensively, though, the Wildcats failed miserably. As I mentioned, they could not get Oklahoma off the field without them scoring points. Basically, their solution to getting Oklahoma off the field was to hold them to a field goal instead of a touchdown. And in a weird way, that kept them in touch most of the game. But really, we've seen this three-man front that K-State's running look pretty good through the season. But the last two weeks against teams that have a better running offense, 
it hasn't looked nearly as good. And what I found just mystifying was K-State never flipped to the four-man front like they can do. They stuck with the three-man front that was just getting overwhelmed. They couldn't get enough pass rush. It just was a bad day for the K-State defense. But the offense, with Skylar Thompson back, mm -hmm. looked great. We'd heard talk that maybe he wouldn't play, but he did indeed go ahead and play. He wasn't very mobile, didn't run the ball a single time, but boy, he threw the ball as well as he's ever thrown it. Yeah, Fitz, I was surprised and impressed by how much they let him throw and how much they, they trusted him. Now, I guess, like you mentioned, part of that is maybe you don't want him running as much, but uh, they really opened up the offense. The offense moved the ball. To me, K-State lost the game in the first possession of the game when they fumbled, not because the game was over then, but to win a game like this, you, you have to avoid mistakes. You have to kind of be the aggressor. Very rarely do you get back into the game when you get behind, but give K-State credit for this. They fought. They continued to fight all the way. I mean, that kick return for a touchdown. At that point, if you're an Oklahoma fan or coach or player or whatever, you're thinking, what do we have to do to put these guys away? Uh, credit to K-State for that. I thought it was impressive. It, what's amazing is uh, rarely can I remember a fumble in the first quarter changing a game to the point where you felt like that at the end of the day, that decided the game. Yeah. And it's happened to K-State two weeks in a row. It's mm -hmm. just unbelievable. Well, Scott, Kansas fell 59-7 to Iowa State. It was close, though. <laughs> On Saturday, what was the biggest issue for the Jayhawks? The offense, the defense, the coaching, the bus ride? What, what went wrong here? Yeah, it fits all of the above. And uh, some more responsible than others. I'd say the offense probably, you know, bears the brunt of the blame in this one. But uh, this was as bad a first quarter as you can play. Jacoby Bryant there takes a, a gamble to knock down the ball. Well, there's no help behind the freshman, and he gives up a touchdown. Things went from bad to worse quickly. Uh, in fact, it was about eight minutes into the game when I started researching the worst for, uh, first quarters in Kansas history. Mm -hmm. You have the Jason Bean fumble, which is untouched, reminded me of a play in 2016 when Montel Cozart for Kansas just flat out dropped the ball. You have Brock Purdy running around making plays. This was a guy who had looked, um, I don't want to say bad, but had, you know, a bunch of turnovers, especially in games against comparable competition to where, you know, you were wondering why, why did Brock Purdy come back? You know, if this, if he was just going to kind of do more of the same stuff that had gotten him into trouble, 28 to nothing was the score of this game at the end of the first quarter. And by that point, Fitz, you knew this one was already over. And you know, a few things came to mind here as I was sort of looking into the history of Kansas getting into some of these huge deficits. There was a game against Kansas State. I believe it was either Mark Mangino's first season. It was early on in 2002. It ended 64 to nothing. It was arguably the worst defeat Kansas has ever suffered, maybe not technically on margin, but just by the way the game went. Uh, that game was 30 to nothing. It began with a safety. Uh, K-State went up 30 to nothing. There was a game against West Virginia, I think, uh, about a half decade ago where Kansas was behind 28 to nothing after one, lost 49 to nothing. It was around Thanksgiving. It was a cold winter day, or a late fall winter, early winter, whenever that uh, switch is made. But no one was in the crowd. It was uh, a pretty empty building, a pretty lifeless atmosphere, and the play resembled that. I think this can be different because it was an Iowa State team that was angry, that has uh, already lost so much of what it believed it had to play for coming into the season. But Kansas's offense wasn't good. The Jayhawks made bad mistakes. The defense was really bad at multiple levels. And quite frankly, the coaching decisions weren't great either. I would especially look at the play calling. Kansas has a weird habit of getting into a third and long in field goal range running up the middle, which you would assume, okay, they're trying to set up a fourth down go for it attempt. Twice they've kicked it. 
right after that. In this case, the kick was blocked. Just uh, a bad performance all around, and one Kansas has to get past in a hurry, although they do get an off week. Wow, I, that's 64 to nothing. It, it, that was a score at the end of the third quarter. That's how bad that beatdown was. But this was miserable. I couldn't believe the spread was 33. We debated if that was too much. Yeah. They almost covered it in the first quarter. Yeah. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Well, all 10 Big 12 teams were in action this week. We've spoken about two of the games. Scott, who else caught your eye on a busy Saturday? Well, Fitz, I had a chance to watch a lot of the Texas TCU game before the, the local teams got going. And uh, I have to say, running backs in the Big 12 as a whole, there are some really good ones. I mean, Zach Evans, who you see right there, a former five-star recruit. Uh, we, You know, Brees Hall, we you know, kind of mentioned the KU-Iowa State game. But how about Bijan Robinson of Texas? He won this game by himself. I saw some people trying to say, well, no, it was, you know, the offensive line opened up holes. No, if you, if you watch this game, this was a case of Bijan Robinson of Texas getting on the outside, making a guy miss, not going down at first contact, and just plowing past and over and through defenders. Now, I, I thought Gary Patterson had uh, an excellent game plan in this one. I think uh, he's arguably the smartest coach in the Big 12. I would say he might be twice as smart as some of the coaches and four times as smart if you're asking how smart he thinks he is. But uh, <laughs> I, I thought, look, it, this was a really fun matchup that, that made me think maybe some of these Big 12 teams are better than I previously uh, gave them credit for, maybe better than I previously thought just from that perspective of Texas can play with some teams. They, they've got talent, especially in that running game. And you know what? TCU probably deserved to win. They had a ton of fumbles, lost fumbles. If that doesn't happen, they win this game. So impressed by both teams. Bijan Robinson's awesome, though, Fitz. That was my takeaway. He is. He just torched K-State at the end of last season. Yeah, the Big 12 is intriguing to me, Scott, because you look at the teams, and I'm not overwhelmed by anyone, and yet you look at what they did the non-conference schedule, setting aside the Arkansas beat down at Texas. Yeah. The Big 12 did really well in non-conference plays, so maybe college football as a whole is watered down. We've seen a lot of programs that win a lot of games already lose this season. It's been a weird year. Yeah, and, and then, you know, you mentioned some of the other Big 12 games we didn't even touch on. I was scoreboard watching West Virginia. All of a sudden, it's down like 21 nothing to Tech. And, and then mounts a huge comeback. It might have been 17 to nothing in that one. And how about Oklahoma State starting to figure it out? Fitz, I don't know how good these teams in the Big 12 are, but I'm starting to think there are a lot of good Big 12 teams, at least, which is some progress. All I know is Oklahoma State is tied for first in the Big 12, and they both are 5-0 and with Oklahoma. But Oklahoma State's also played two home games. It's very mm. nice that they get to play two home games. Mm. Now, a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Well, last week's question was, after Kansas, which Big 12 team that started 0-1 in conference play is the worst? And Fitz, I think you'll agree with the results on this one. 65% of people saying Texas Tech, although, hey, Texas Tech went out and got a win, so maybe not. I don't know. But I, don't, I don't understand. Tech was awful the week before, and then they turn around and win on the road. Yeah, 15% for K-State and Iowa State, 5% for West Virginia. Okay, here is this week's question. What will be a higher point total? This is a great question, Scott. <laughs> Iowa State football or Iowa State basketball versus Kansas? Here's your answers. A is Iowa State football with those 59 points. <laughs> Can the Cyclone basketball team exceed 59 points? Vote on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. Well, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on the Drive.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to The Drive. As we continue our weekly two-minute drill, the two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Fitz, K-State is heading into its off week with a 3-2 record, but the Wildcats are already 0-2 in Big 12 play. Give us your forecast for the Wildcats in their final seven games of the regular season. My forecast is they'll win eight games. Hey, uh, out of those seven, <laughs> look, this is exactly where I thought this team would be at this point. Now, I didn't you know, know if they're going to lose Oklahoma State or Iowa State. I, they're going to beat Iowa State. I feel as confident about that as I have in a long time. They have played two pretty good football teams. One, they went to Oklahoma State. They played on the road with their backup quarterback. Didn't play particularly well uh, and got the loss. They played much better at home in a loss to a top 10 team in Oklahoma. Those might be the two best teams in the conference. Texas certainly has something to say about that, and that's who K-State will play to end the regular season. Iowa State, despite what they showed against Kansas, isn't what Iowa State fans expected this season. They basically played poorly in three games and won blowouts against UNLV and Kansas. I think K-State is poised to make a run in the second half. As Scott mentioned, we're facing an off week for both K-State and KU and both teams can gather themselves. K-State needs to get a little more healthy, but then they they do have Iowa State coming in, and they have a bunch of very, very winnable games from here on out. I think K-State is in a really good position. They're going to have to figure out what's going on on the defensive side of the ball and why that three-man front that seemed to work so well in the non-conference isn't working as well now in the conference. Have they put enough stuff on film that opponents can figure out what's gone wrong with it? Essentially, when you go to that 3-3-5 instead of a 4-2-5, you take a down lineman, a defensive tackler, and off the field for an outside linebacker, which is a glorified safety. And it is showing up now with teams running right through that K-State defense. But let's not be fooled to think that K-State played a bunch of uh, has-beens or bad teams in that non-conference schedule. Stanford just beat number three Oregon over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Nevada won at Boise State. So they actually played some pretty good teams. In fact, I think uh, the non-conference opponents only have one loss outside of playing K-State, and that is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. But K-State now has to put a better product on the field coming down the stretch of these seven games. Yeah, reasons for optimism. And, hey, if that defense does come along a little bit, at least from where it was against Oklahoma, and I expect it to. I think Kansas State still has everything at once in front of it. Yep, I agree. Scott, let's give you a break from talking (laughs) about football. KU basketball held late night in the fog over the weekend. What should fans know about the men's basketball team going into the season, and how was Run DMC? Run DMC. Run right? DMC. That's, that's uh, to my age bracket, kind of. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was going to say, if you're one of the recruits attending Late Night in the Fog, Run DMC is not quite the same name as, I'm going to say a few that maybe Fitz doesn't know as well, Lil Yachty. Oh, yeah. Any, any thoughts on Lil Boat, uh, as he's called? But, uh, hey, a different atmosphere for KU. And, and, look, I think there's a lot of, 
um, optimism and promise with the basketball team. I mean, hey, you saw right there the first highlight, Remy Martin to Cam Martin, no relation, but uh, two newcomers, two transfers into this men's basketball program. There's David McCormick with a dunk, one of the returners uh, that I think fans are really excited about. The way this Kansas team is kind of structured, if you want to say, is with a mix of uh, old and young with a mix of returners and transfers, and uh, it's a lot of pieces to kind of uh, fit together if you're Bill Self. In fact, when I looked at this late night scrimmage, um, and every year the late night scrimmage is sloppy. I, I mean, it, it's hard to really take anything away because you're, you know, they're not running plays, they're not in their sets, guys are playing with people and playing against people they wouldn't normally be uh, in those situations. But this year's might have been the hardest that I've ever seen in terms of actually taking real takeaways from this team just because there are 10 newcomers on this squad and there are so many pieces that you don't know how they're going to fit. In fact, Bill Self mentioned on the broadcast, he does some commentary, sometimes very sarcastic commentary as guys are taking shots they would never take in a real game. He mentioned redshirting as many as two or three players. Now, uh, Kansas has definitely redshirted one in the past. There's definitely been talk at times about redshirting a couple. But if Kansas actually were to redshirt three, which think is a somewhat reasonable possibility given the, the super senior kind of impact on this roster. Uh, that kind of speaks to the level of depth that you have. So um, we don't really know how Kansas is going to play yet. I still expect it to be four guards around a big man. I think a lot of David McCormick, a lot of Ochai Abaji, a lot of Jalen Wilson, uh, a lot of Remy Martin. But from there, you've got six, eight, ten guys who are all competing to not be one of the three who redshirt. And I think that's what KU is trying to figure out. Would your rap name be Lil Chasen? <laughs> little Chasen, uh, Lil Chasen, excuse me, L-I-L apostrophe. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know. We'd have to work on that. Hmm. Okay. Well, now we're going to step out of bounds. <laughs> and Out of Bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. That wasn't out of bounds enough talking about my future rap career. Well, uh, Fitz, let's step out of bounds from the Big 12, or at least the current members. Uh, Cincinnati improved its chances at the college football playoff with a win over Notre Dame on Saturday. Is the future Big 12 school in the driver's seat to make the playoff now? How about that? They really are. I mean, if they don't lose, and they have some challenges ahead uh, once they get into the American Conference. They haven't played a conference game yet, I don't think. But, you know, UCF's pretty good. Houston's actually rounding out to be pretty good. There's some pretty good teams in this conference. SMU's rolling. Uh, they'll have some hurdles, but this was the biggest. To go to Notre Dame and win and kind of control the game for the most part, except for a little period in the second half, it's really impressive. Nobody can argue this year that they don't have a serious quality win. This is an undeniable win, and if the committee denies them interest, mm -hmm. entrance if they're undefeated. Yeah, just blow the whole thing up. This is a really good Cincinnati team. And you know what, Scott? BYU is not bad either. Mm -hmm. um, they basically should be the champion of the Pac-12 South, and they're not even in the Pac-12. Yeah, well, so. look, I think the issue Cincinnati faces is Alabama, Georgia, probably Oklahoma. Yep. Okay, so now you're competing for one spot with every other team in the nation. But here's the good news. Clemson's out. I mean, they've already lost a bunch of games. Ohio State already has a loss. Oregon, who beat Ohio State, already has a loss. Okay, like th there's that opportunity. Just the one thing I don't want is a one-loss team in one of those conferences getting in, especially if they win a conference championship game over a Cincinnati. I, I want to see them get a shot, but Fitz, I agree with you. I, I kind of think they're in the driver's seat now to where you went out, you look, imp you look impressive the rest of the way. I, I think you're going to the playoff. Yeah, I, I can't see them being uh, denied over a one-loss team if they're undefeated. Mm -hmm. Keep an eye on the Big Ten. 
uh, we've got an amazing game this weekend. I think it's this weekend, Iowa and Penn State. I think it's the first time two top five Big Ten teams have played each other undefeated without being Ohio State involved since the 19th century. It was like 1872 it last happened. Now let's hear from our fans because you don't want to hear from me anymore. <laughs> Fan question is sponsored by Medlark, supporting people living in their best lives. Our fan question this week is this. Scott, I'm curious, what is the worst Kansas football game you've ever covered? Rachel and Lawrence wants to know this. Yeah, I can't. And you, you have a limited time. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't imagine why this question is being asked this week. Um, there have been a few. I think the worst stretch, and, and this would be my answer, was Kansas lost to Iowa State and TCU back-to-back. 45-0, were the, the two scores from those games. Uh, Kansas combined had less than 150 total yards of offense between the two games. The TCU game, I think they had like 21 yards or something like that. It came, I think, right at the end. There was some controversy about whether or not David Beatty knowingly or unknowingly agreed to a running clock. There was like a monsoon going on down there. Um, That, to me, would be number one, but uh, there have definitely been a lot of bad ones to choose from. That was bad. Well, by the way, mm-hmm. to win football games, you need to score points. You do. And, and get yards, uh, ideally. Although, yeah. I guess sometimes you could just return the kick for the touchdown. Right. makes it easier. But uh, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. Now it's time to take a look at our predictions. Remember, make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. Here are last week's results. The viewers offered. What are you doing, viewers? <laughs> uh, I went two and one. Scott went one and two. One and two. I'm I'm brilliant. That's what basically what we get from that. Now here are this week's picks. We start with Oklahoma minus three and a half versus the Longhorns. Scott. I will go with Texas. Bijan Robinson kind of already regretting it, but you know what? Give me Texas. That's cool. I got Oklahoma, and I also regret it. <laughs> Next is West Virginia plus two and a half at Baylor. Fitz, I don't know what to think of either of these teams. Who do you like in this one? I'm going to go with the Bears. That's a bear claw. I think you've done that a few weeks in a row. I like it. I think we should keep that up. I'll go with West Virginia. I don't know how to pantomime a a Mountaineer. (laughs) And our last game of the week is TCU minus one and a half points at Tech. I am taking Tech. I will take TCU, the battle of the Texas schools that aren't Texas. That's all the games this week, I think. Again, Mm -hmm. make your picks on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. Now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One. By local for a strong local community. And we we start with Scott Jason. Well, Fitz, if there was a positive from the Kansas football game, and it was a small, small positive, it would be the running game. It would be that Devin Neal and Tory Lachlan continue to produce in that area, and it looks like Kansas has a pretty decent stable of backs. Offensive line is also starting to play a lot better. So that's the reason for hope. Now they have to see if they can go into their off week and get a whole lot better. Yes, Kansas State has lost twice in a row. Yes, they're 0-2 in the Big 12. But no, not all is lost. 
There are still a lot of winnable games for the Wildcats. Just stay patient, K-State fans. It's all going to get better here in the second half of the season. I promise. But I've also broken promises before. That's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We'll see you next week right here and all week on social media. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.